Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. I have a little bit of a uh, t-shirt obsession that's bordering on an addiction um, when it comes to t-shirts. I love when there's a t-shirt that's available for some moment that is in my life that I can kind of mark that moment with a t-shirt, whether it's uh, some place that I, I have visited or it's some event that I'm participating in or just something that's going on. I love when there is a t-shirt. And so I have t-shirts that are in my drawer that go all the way back um, to high school, which doesn't really seem all that impressive when, until you start to do the math. And I did that this week and realized that that's 35 years ago that those t-shirts came into my life. Those don't fit the same way they used to just to be clear on all that. So um, I have t-shirts from college. I have all kinds of t-shirts from concerts that I've gone to. Uh, I've got t-shirts from uh, state tennis championships, and now we're starting to make this collection of Johnson University t-shirts that are filling up uh, all over the place. And so I've got all these t-shirts. And um, Stacia's tried to get me to switch over to stickers to commemorate those moments. Um, For one thing, the stickers are a lot cheaper than the t-shirts would be, and they take up a lot less room because I currently have two different drawers full of t-shirts as well as a bucket of t-shirts that get swapped in and out as time goes by. That all said, as we introduced uh, a new logo a few weeks ago, it should be no surprise that I now have a few more t-shirts that I've added to the mix of our new logo, and and, and there are also stickers for that to to try and uh, be available as well. And so we've had some folks who have asked questions um, about those shirts because we, we ran out of the, the coral shirts if you're a guy. They're pink if you're a girl. They're coral if you're a guy. And so those, uh, we ran out of those, but we've got more back now. And so those are back there, uh, out there in the commons, and you can pick those up. There's also coffee tumblers, and there's stickers that are available. Um, but another question that has come up about the logo is w- what does it mean? And I mean, yes, it's an F for first Christian, and you kind of get that, but is there more meaning to it? Is there more story to it somehow in, in what it is as First Christian Church? And um, today we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but we're gonna get to that a little later on, so just hang in. We've been in this series all summer, and in this series uh, that's called The Authentic Life, we have talked about a lot of different parts of life. We've talked about worship and we've talked about serving and we've talked about generosity and we've talked about community that happens through life groups. And all along the way, what we've been trying to point out is that those parts of life, none of them are have tos, okay? We never intended to bring across that you have to do all of those things, worship and service and generosity and and, and community, that you have to do those things. You have to check those boxes or spin those plates or jump through those hoops so that you can have the authentic life. The idea was not if you'll do these things, you will get this. The idea is that there's nothing you can do to achieve this life. This life has already been won for you. This life has already happened for you. Jesus is the one who has made this life possible for you through his death on the cross and through walking away from that tomb. When he conquered sin and death, he also made available for you the authentic life that includes all of these things that you now get to do. And you get to worship, and you get to serve, and you get to be generous, and you get to be in this community. Those are things that we get. 
And all along the way, we've been trying to make that available and show how we as a church are, are providing those opportunities. Last week, we, we talked about life groups. And we talked about groups that exist for, for really any age group, groups that exist uh, in, in all kinds of days of the week and sometimes here on Sunday morning and they happen in living rooms and classrooms. And, and we tried to make it as, as simple to learn about life groups as we could as we all learned, for some of us, a, a new skill set last week. And that skill set was the use of a QR code, okay? On the chair in front of you, there's this little square sticker that has a bunch of squiggly lines on it that's called a QR code. And we went through the process last week of explaining that if you would take out your phone and you would pull up your camera app and you would just point your phone at that square, it would take your phone to a life group response page. And you could just fill out your name, your phone number, and your email, and all of that stuff would be available for you, and you could fill it all out and, and let us know that you're interested in, in finding out more about life groups. But there was a learning curve to that. Um, for those of us who were just learning about QR codes last week, we had some folks who took out their phone and took pictures of the square that was in front of them and hoped that that was going to do something later on. And I don't know if the idea was if you take a picture of the sticker, then later on you can grab somebody else's phone and put it over top of your phone, and then you'll be taken to the right page. I, I don't know. We had some people who um, peeled the stickers off the chair and took them home with them, as if that's just like a sticker that they could have for later on. Um, we have stickers available for you in the commons that have the new logo on them. Please don't take the QR stickers off the chair. Um, but those are going to be used later on, and we all have this learning curve that goes on with QR codes. We just want to help you. We're trying to make it as easy as we can for you to be a part of a life group, and we're going to use those QR codes for all kinds of things moving forward. But as we talked about this, this life that's available, this authentic life, we've talked about um, these different parts of our life, and it's not just stuff we're making up. It's not just things that we're adding to the list. We're, we're recognizing that this is what's talked about in Scripture. And all along the way, throughout this whole summer, we've been highlighting this passage that gives us the blueprint for the church. And if you've got your, your Bible with you, uh, even if it's on your phone or your tablet, you can look at this. We've, we've highlighted this every single Sunday. But it's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And if you read through Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, you see stuff in there about worship, and you see stuff in there about community, and you see stuff in there about generosity and, and, and about serving one another. But today, as we end the series, I want to talk about the end of that blueprint, and the end of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, specifically verse 47. And what it says in the end there is this. It says, and enjoying the favor of all the people... That's what the church was doing. That is, they were living out the authentic life. They were enjoying the favor of all the people that were in the community, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, if you look at that same passage in the message translation, here's, here's how that same passage reads out. People in general there in the community liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. So here's the church, just kind of living out their authentic life. The people in Jerusalem were letting their authentic lives shine into the community, and the people there in the community, the people there in the town, wanted in on it. They wanted what they saw happening 
in these people's lives. Back in March, around here at First Christian, we started into um, an effort that was a year-long effort called Be a Light. And, and during Be a Light, and you've seen the display in the commons, it's that display that's out there that has all the light bulbs pushed into it, and the, the light bulbs uh, spell out Be a Light. But they're not just light bulbs. Each one of those bulbs that's in the display has five names on it. And there are people who are right here right now who went and grabbed a bulb and wrote down five names of people that that are already in their life, people that they know, who need the light of Jesus in their life. And by writing those five names on that bulb and putting the bulb into the display until it lights up, they were making a commitment, a commitment to pray for those five people and a commitment to look for opportunities to be a light, to be the light of Jesus in the lives of those folks. In essence, what we started into in March with that effort was just a continuation of what we see happening in Acts chapter two, and specifically there at the end. People in the church live out their authentic life. They, they, they are who Jesus, what Jesus made available for them, And as they live out that authentic life in front of people who are not yet part of the church, the people who are not yet part of the church see that life and they want in. These were folks who were just being a light to people that they knew. And you can actually track it and see what God did with that all the way through the book of Acts. Now just hang with me. If you have your Bible out, you can follow along and see it. This is how it happens. Here's the first bit. This is the beginning of the church, Acts chapter two. It says that there were a whole bunch of people who came forward and got baptized and and specifically tracks the men and says that and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 men, not including women and children, were baptized on that first day of the church. And when we get to the blueprint of the church that starts in Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47, you can see that's the very next verse. This is the start of the church. And then we go to Acts chapter four, verse four. It's just two years later. And it says, so the number of men who believe now grew to about 5,000 in just two years. That's just the men, not counting all the women and children who are part of that as well. And it continued to happen. You get to Acts chapter five. It says more and more men and women believed and were added to their number. We get to Acts chapter uh, six and it says the believers rapidly multiplied. They're not even counting anymore because there's so many of them they can't keep up with it. And they're just recognizing that it's getting bigger and bigger and there's more and more people who are being attracted to this life in the church. And there comes a time where the church is too big to just be in Jerusalem in this one place, in this one city, and it starts to spread to different cities and different countries and and becomes multiple churches all over the place that are people that are living out this authentic life and others who are being attracted to it. And we get to Acts chapter 16 and it says, so the churches that are spread all over the place were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers, daily. That's God using the authentic life of people in the church to reach more people in the world. If you will be a light, God will go to work. And and it's not just the five names that you wrote on a light bulb. There's so many more lives represented in those five names. 
In the New Testament, there's a word given to that extension of people. The Greek word that's used in the New Testament is the word oikos, which means household. And it gets translated as household in all the different scriptures where we see it. And there's all kinds of places in the Bible where we see the expansion of this authentic life happening from person to person to person. And we see the word household being used over and over again, like in Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11, we see the the first non-Jewish member of the church come into the church. There's a guy named Cornelius, and he had been impacted by the life and the ministry and the words of a guy named Peter. And and we read in, in Acts chapter 11, verse 14, it says this, the angel said to Cornelius, Peter will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. It's not just Cornelius, it's Cornelius and all his household, or, or we get to, to uh, Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, we, we see this incredible moment where this lady named Lydia, who we learn later becomes a really important leader in the church, but there's a point in Acts chapter 16 where it says that Lydia and the members of her household were baptized. That's oikos right there. Or a little later on in that chapter, there's this incredible scene between uh, the, the jailer in Philippi, because Paul and Silas get thrown into jail, and and, and they're singing songs and they're praising even while they're in jail. And, and the jailer's overwhelmed by their confidence and the, the joy that they find in their relationship with Jesus. And, and we get to Acts chapter 16, verse 33, and it says, Then immediately he, that's the jailer, and all of his household were baptized. In all of those settings, oikos is the word that's used for household. And oikos is not just one person, but oikos is also not just one person and their spouse and their kids, which is how we would kind of translate household. In that particular culture, it's everyone who was under the care of that person. In some cases, everyone who was under the roof of that person. And and this is a culture where it was very common for two to four generations to all be living in one house, plus those who helped work in the house and and those who helped work in the field and all of their families and all of their generations. This is a culture that is very accustomed to multi-generational, multi-family living. They were people that you lived with and people that you worked with and people that you socialized with. And, and, And it's not all of those people all of the time, but All of those people make up your oikos, make up what filled up your household. So, bring that forward to us. Who who are our oikos? What makes up our household? Because it's not just single family living like we live now. If we expanded that to include all the things that it included in the New Testament, who would it be? Well, it would be your family, be your parents and your grandparents, maybe be your grandkids or even aunts and uncles. We talked last week about how we live in a kind of a unique area where there's multi-generations who are all in one area and you're getting together with with people from your family that extend uh, generations and you're doing that all the time or even with technology through phone calls and FaceTime. We are constantly in contact far more than ever before with our extended family, but it would also be the people that you work with regularly. And the folks that you, you see just in your everyday life on a regular basis, and we get school starting back this week. 
And as school starts back, it's not that we're talking about the hundreds of people that you go to school with, but you all have your social circle. And as the days go by, you're gonna kind of figure out that there's also these people that are on the same path as you, and so there's people that have two or three or four classes together with you every single day that you're in contact with, that you are around all the time. And those are the kinds of people in your life today that make up your household, that make up your oikos. So let's, let's kind of math that all the way out, okay? So if we're talking about the lives that are part of your extended family, not just the people who live under your roof, but your extended family that you're in contact with on a regular basis, for a lot of folks who are in here, that may be just a few. But there's a whole bunch of us because of the uniqueness of our community that that expands to be a lot of families all right there. And so we'll kind of average that out. Let's say that your extended group of family members that you're constantly in contact with is like 10 people. And then there's the people in your neighborhood that, that you're close enough to that if you were walking the neighborhood and they were outside, you would stop and talk to them. You would have a conversation with them. Or maybe it's your neighbor that, that you guys kind of tend to do your yard work around the same time and so you, you kind of have conversations and you end up turning off the mower and talking on the mower a little bit and then moving on. And then there's, of course, the, the people that you know from parking lots and sidelines of football games and soccer practices and tennis practices and all kinds of fields and courts and courses that you have been on either yourself or with your kids or with your grandkids. And then there's all the people that you go to school with and that are part of that social circle. There's people that you work with who are part of your department that you're with all the time. And if you put all those numbers together and all those people together, and these are people that you actually do spend time with. I think a conservative number for that would be something around like 28 people that would be part of your oikos. So get this, if your authentic life begins to impact somebody on your light bulb, let's call that person Frank, okay? And you impact Frank. You're not just impacting Frank you potentially impact 28 other people who are part of Frank's life, who are part of his oikos. And see, Frank is now going to kind of impact all of those folks, and, and he may not reach all of those folks. It may not be that all of those people come to know the authentic life that's available to them and know the, the, the saving grace of Jesus Christ, but maybe a portion of them do. 25%, one in four. So of those 28 people that, that Frank's life impacts, there, there's seven of those that, that are impacted. And so those seven, they have 28 other people that are, that are part of their oikos, and so suddenly those seven reaches out to 196 people, and, and say you reach 25% of those 196 people, and, and 25%, one in four, that, that gets our number back to like 49, and, and yet 49 people who have 28 extended parts of their oikos, that reaches, um, 49 of those 196 people that you reach, you multiply that by those 28 people and suddenly you're in a number that's 1,372 people who are impacted because you impacted the life of Frank. It's how God has been growing the church from the beginning. It's what he has always been about 
The church didn't grow because it was like the thing that outshined everything else in terms of entertainment in the community. And the church didn't grow because it had the best music of everything going on in the community. And the church didn't grow because they had the best meals of anybody in the community. No, the, the church grew with an equation that has always been in play and has always been very, very simple. The church grew because Holy Spirit God started working in the web of relationships that existed within the church that impacted more than just the one person that that relationship touched and started to impact households, started to impact oikos. And God has gone to work through relationships of people who are living out an authentic life. And that's the impact that we're trying to put in motion around here through Be A Light. There's so many of you who, who have already committed to praying for five people that are on your light bulb and looking for opportunities to be a light for those five people in your life. And I gotta tell you, that the, the way that those opportunities are gonna show up for most of us is that we're gonna invite people. We're gonna invite and we're gonna be inviting people and inviting people and inviting people to events and, and even to just simply come on a Sunday morning and sit next to us and, and hear about Jesus. And, and I'll tell you right now that um, We've, we've started working really hard towards some things that are happening this fall that are gonna be, we'll start to unveil these in the weeks to come. There'll be incredible ways and incredible moments that you're gonna want in, to invite people that are on your light bulb to come and hear about Jesus. But, but just think about this. If every person who's at First Christian today were to invite the five people from their light bulb Here's what it looks like. That roughly today, there, there's about, I, I'm guesstimating, it may be actually more than this today, but there's about 750 people who are gonna be with us in person today. There's another 150 people who are gonna be with us online today. And if those people would invite their five folks from their light bulb to come with them to hear about Jesus or to participate in that authentic life and see that authentic life happening all around them at some point over the next year. This is what it turns into. It ends up being 4,500 first-time guests who come for the first time to experience and hear and, and, and know the community that is the authentic life through Jesus Christ. That's what is possible. That is the potential that is here and you have seen how God has continuously throughout history gone to work with that. And it's what God has been doing from the beginning to grow his church. Him working through us as we're doing our best to live out our authentic life to shine that light into more and more and more lives. And what do we read in Acts chapter two, verse 47? And they found favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let me show you one other spot where we, we've, we see this unfold for us. It's something that Jesus actually told us about before the church ever came into existence. And it shows up in John chapter 15, and if you've got your Bible, you're welcome to turn there with me. John chapter 15 is a very unique moment in Jesus' life. 
In John chapter 15, just prior to John chapter 15, and even including portions of John chapter 15, Jesus spends his time in the upper room with his disciples. And they're sharing Passover together. And this is a very special moment for Jesus and his followers. And it's also the moment where Jesus implements the Lord's Supper or communion that we participated in just a few moments ago. And a little later on, Jesus is going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he's going to pray. And he's going to pray in solitude before all the chaos starts. But in this particular portion of John chapter 15, he has left the upper room and he is on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, but they're not there yet. And Jesus wants to teach them one more time. He wants to explain to them one more time who they are meant to be. And here's what he says. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, Jesus says, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Immerse yourself in the authentic life of worship and service and generosity, of community. Bear the fruit that will come out of that life and let that life shine a light so that others will see that you are my follower. That's what it means to remain in Christ. It's what it means to abide in Christ. He is the strong and solid vine. And, and previously in the chapter, he explained that God is the gardener. And as Jesus is the solid vine, God is clearing away all of the excess branches and all the extra stuff and all the things that don't need to be growing there. And, and he's clearing it out and cleaning it up so that the good fruit can grow. And so it's part of the imagery that's connected to our new logo as a church. It's not just an F. But Jesus is the strong and solid vine and God is clearing out all the excess, all the extra, so that the branch can grow and the good fruit can be produced and we can show ourselves to be followers of Jesus and that God would use that and attract more and more and more people to him. And the closer we get to Jesus and the more connected we stay to Jesus and the more we remain in Jesus, the more good fruit comes from our life. And that good fruit that we produce, it matters to the people who are in our world, the people who are in our sphere of influence, the people who are in our oikos, so that we can shine a light into their darkness. When we immerse ourselves in the authentic life, the abundant life, Holy Spirit God will use that to impact 
people who are already in your life. This is life that remains in Jesus and remaining in Jesus includes the times when we give of ourselves and that we give of our time and that we give of our resources. It includes the worship that we can have whenever and wherever we can. And it includes this community that we find that we find with each other. When we are doing that, we are experiencing the authentic life in him. And who we are as a church is that we are people of the vineyard. Healthy branches who are seeking to produce fruit that represent Jesus. So that Holy Spirit God is freed up to attract more and more and more people to believe and experience and know the authentic life for themselves. That's who we're trying to be as a church. He is the vine, and we are the branches. And there are households, oikos, who are waiting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the community that you have given us in the church. We thank you for what it means to our life, but we thank you that you would recognize the need that others would have to see what is available through you in our lives that our life would be a life of worship, that our life would be a life of service, that our life would be a life of generosity, that our life would be a life of community that people long for, and that they would see that and know that that was possible only because of you. We thank you for the freedom that we have in this authentic life that only comes because of a relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. But God, would you help us to not just hoard that for ourselves and to cover that up and, and hang on to it and just not let anybody know that it exists. Would you help us to show that we are your disciples, to shine a light that others may know what is available to them. Grace and forgiveness and an eternity in your presence for sure, but an authentic life that can be happening right now. All of that made possible, not through anything that we've done, but only through Jesus. His death, his resurrection, his grace, his forgiveness that changes our lives. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you'd stand with me this morning. And maybe you're here today and you don't know the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus that is available to you. It's available to you as much as it's ever been available to anybody else. And it is waiting for you to step into it. Jesus has done all of the work. He simply calls for you to say yes to him and be baptized in his name. Or maybe you've already done that and you're just looking for a church to be a part of. You, you've heard about who we are as a church today. This is who we are. This is who we're trying to be, and we would love to have you with us in that effort. And so if you have one of those decisions to make today, we invite you to walk right down these aisles. We have folks who will be here to talk with you and pray with you, answer questions for you about all of that. But today, the rest of us have an opportunity 
to just participate in the authentic life and to lift our voices in worship and praise to our God, to our King, to our Redeemer, to our Savior. May we with hearts that understand what has been done for us and what we get to do, may that show up in our voices as we lift a loud praise to our God. We invite you to come if you have a decision to make. May the rest of us praise our God and our King. Let's sing together.